Welcome back, my amazing listeners, and welcome to 2018. It is a new year which allows us a new era for our minds, our lives, and our spirits to breathe, to enlighten, to grow, and to allow ourselves pause on a better path. As past guests have often posited, and my pals Christina Hutchinson and Corinne Fisher most shamelessly and poignantly queried, what is this show all about? Well, it is a platform, not only for entertainment, but for change. Through change, we endeavor to grow, and in growth, we find joy. In this very first episode of 2018, I welcome a pioneering advocate for change in Josh Silver, who is the founder and director of an organization called Represent.us, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization whose mission is to challenge the influence of money in American politics. He's also the former CEO and president of Free Press, an activist group that promotes internet openness. We speak on net neutrality, corporate control, and the means to release ourselves from the ever-present environment of corporate corruption. After speaking with Josh and making my voice known to him, I have been very graciously invited to represent this show as a correspondent to cover the inaugural Unrig the System Summit the first week of February in New Orleans. There, advocacy leaders, academics, comedians, musicians, celebrities, activists, philanthropists, and journalists from all over the world will convene to work together on unthreading the blanket of corruption that is currently suffocating this nation. Speakers include Sarah Bonk, the co-founder of Disrupt DC, Ron Guerin, chief pilot at Worldview and former NASA astronaut, actress Jennifer Lawrence, filmmaker and producer Adam McKay, and of course, today's guest, Josh Silver himself. I myself have often pondered that our world revolves in the nature of a plutocracy above all other political and governmental values. We as a people seem to be forever bound to a system that spins on a nature of greed on which we must run like a hamster on a wheel to survive. We must cut this net if we wish to swim in waters of true freedom. To that, let's get to the show. I very proudly welcome Josh Silver. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Josh, welcome to Friendly Foe. Thanks for having me. Uh, so first of all, Josh, tell me a little bit uh, about yourself and how you got involved in uh, in both organizations. Well, so, you know, you mentioned in American politics where it feels sort of bizarre, right? Like government is super gridlocked, dysfunctional, makes Ill- irrational decisions. Um, you know, there's all this polarization where people are sort of Democrats against Republicans, when in reality, uh, the, almost half of Americans aren't even members of either major party. And we are fa- failing to make progress on all of the issues that, you know, that your listeners actually care about, whether it's poverty or climate change or health care, uh, efficient government. And, you know, we're just in a we're in a really tough spot. And when you when you actually 
look at what's causing these problems at the end of the day. It's because the system itself, the government itself, the way that candidates run for office, the way that we Americans vote for those candidates and the way that politicians run uh, and govern uh, once in office, uh, it's all broken. It's corrupt. And until we fix those systems, we are going to continue to sort of be on this mouse wheel, this perpetual groundhog day, and uh, and things will get worse and worse. Absolutely agreed. Um, I was watching a video um, from uh, your organization partner, Mansur Gidfar, um, and uh, he spoke quite eloquently in the video in saying that uh, corruption is legal in America. I found that very, uh, very com compelling. And as most of us are feeling quite upsetting, because that's really what's been going on for quite some time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, what's been really cool about this last about two years, a little under two years, um, it started with Adam McKay, right, who got the Oscar for The Big Short and did all those great mm -hmm. Will Ferrell movies. And and he joined us and he was like, you know, this I think it was coming out of the big short. He was just like, this is this is the this is the issue. This is the fulcrum. Like if we if we win on this issue, we can win anything. This is this is the key. And and then after Adam, then David O. Russell, right. the, the the director, and then Jennifer Lawrence, and then it started to snowball. Those three joined our board of directors and remain there and are very active in Jack Black, Kerry Washington, Spike Jones, Ed Helms, JJ Abrams, Sia, Elizabeth Banks, Orlando Bloom. They've all, they've all joined our creative council and are actually leaning in and doing stuff, not just lending their name, but are doing stuff. So it's been kind of it's been pretty cool to see that Hollywood and, and the, the sort of pop culture is starting to finally have their light bulb moment and realize that no matter how much we tell people to get out to vote or how much we tell people to support this or that law, the reality is until we enact campaign finance reform and, and change how we vote and end gerrymandering or the carving up of congressional districts so that they're not competitive until we fix these kind of wonky sort of unsexy things, uh, we're just going to keep struggling to, to make progress. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a long, hard road. And uh, in our current political environment with uh, Mr. Orange here at the wheel, um, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it's gotten to be like a giant ball pit of nightmares, honestly. Um, ball pit. That's new. I haven't heard ball pit. <laughs> well, you know, it's like we're uh, it's like a, a giant circus of irrational, uh, irreconcilable, uh, differences. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. really gross. It's really but what's gross. Re but what's really important. I know my daughter, my six year old daughter pulled out a, a husk of corn, fresh corn. And it had that sort of yellow hair or fur on it. And she was like, Donald Trump, but, you know, <laughs> but th this is the thing though. You, you gotta, you really, ha it's really important. Like, we're we're in this we're stuck in this bad pattern where it's like if you beat up on Donald Trump, well then you must be a Democrat, right? And you saw Democrats good, Republicans bad. The reality is is once you actually spend time in Washington D.C. or state houses, you see that that the two major parties are are compromised by big money and by the corrupt system and by trying to protect the status quo. Uh, 
both of them, maybe not equally, but both of them. And so it's really important that people stop getting into this right versus left, us versus them. This is kind of a tribal thing. Humans have been doing it for thousands or millions of years and, and recognize that the entire system is broken. And what's cool about these issues about fixing our corrupt political system is that actually grassroots, not the leadership, but grassroots conservatives and moderates and progressives are all unified in support of really sweeping reforms that would actually fix the system. And when you realize that, it's actually pretty empowering. You actually realize that we have a we have a majority uh, of people who want to truly unrig the system and make it work for everybody. That gives that gives me hope. As as it does me and uh, a lot of my listeners out there. Um, I mean, you know, we really all want to come together, and when it when it comes down to the bare bones of it, we all we all want to protect our freedoms. We all want to be able to propel ourselves to live our dreams and not just the American dream, but to be able to live, a, to lead a life for ourselves that's uh, positive, uplifting, and, uh, you know, free of being controlled by corporate greed. But it seems to be that uh, our, our corporate greed is more our national policy. Than anything yeah well and then it just got worse right you literally just had this tax bill which essentially takes a country where the income inequality the distribution of wealth is is more extreme than it has been since the 1890s since the sort of robber baron era and and they just basically handed out the 62 percent of the benefits uh, of this tax bill go to the top one percent and I believe it's that the, the uh, 41% of the benefits go to the top 0.1%. So, you know, this is like, you know, this is the evisceration of the middle class in America. And, you know, the, the reality is, too, is you have to understand that, you know, this is the, the, this is in this case the Republicans. But the problem is, is when the when the Democrats are in power, they talk a big game. But at the end of the day, uh more often than not, every debate in Washington, D.C. ends up being truly a debate between the, the two moneyed interests. It's the Internet companies about against the phone companies. It's the insurance companies against the pharmaceutical companies. It's the oil and gas companies uh, against the, uh, the nuclear and, you know, the other energy companies. So it's like the public interest is scarcely even considered. And, uh, and and it's time for us to all sort of stop, drop, and roll and recognize that this is the issue of our time, unrigging the American political system as unsexy as it is. Because, I mean, you know, Devlin, when I'm like talking to my wife about gerrymandering or ranked choice voting and open <laughs> primaries, these are things that would actually fix it. She literally falls asleep, like right. literally. And it's not ice. It's not uh, polar bears uh, floating on, on little tiny <laughs> icebergs. You know, it's not. It's not starving babies. It's like you know, those are images that really can really resonate with people because they're obvious. It's reptilian, but it, you know, it's a challenge. Everybody listening to this show, like, you got to actually check this stuff out and and recognize that this is the key. This is what we've been missing. This is why. This is why we have a reality show star as president. This, this is why. 
you know, even Barack Obama, who talked a big game about campaign finance reform and fixing the rigged system, uh, even for the first two years of his presidency, when he had majorities of Democrats in the House and Senate, didn't do anything on this. It's why well-intentioned p- politicians and poor-intentioned politicians alike really fail to move the needle and, and, and exert political capital to change this stuff. The people who are going to change it are the people themselves. We, the people, are going to have to take this fight on and, and force it through. So, Josh, how do you believe each of us individually not being one of the powerful um, voices that you have, like Adam McKay or um, or Jennifer, um, how, how can me, Mr. Joe Schmo, <laughs> with, uh, with, with this podcast, help to change the political climate? Well, first of all, recognize that, you know, you know that there's that expression, those who forget their history are, are doomed to repeat it. There's been a lot of movements in our nation's history that started uh, by trying to change federal policy, failed, and then instead um, took the fight local took the fight to the state and local level. So, for example, interracial marriage, that was a fight that started in 1797. It took 180 years for it be- to become federally legal in 1967, believe it not, or not, not that long ago. Um, but they started at the state level and they won with just like a couple of states. And then they went at one point, they went 50 years without winning any other states. And then they won a few more and they kept fighting until it became federal law. Same with uh, with prohibition. Same with women's suffrage, women's right to vote, abortion, same sex marriage, marijuana, all these issues that were going nowhere in, in the federal system. And instead, the proponents took the fight local. And they started winning at the state level and at the city level. And when they got enough states under their belts, they kind of hit a trigger point. Um, and it was because of this grassroots movement, enough victories at the, at the local level and or a court case in their favor triggered federal reform. And that's what we're doing at Represent Us, which is represent.us, which is everybody, along with Jennifer Lawrence and Adam McKay, are basically leaning in on changing the law, passing so-called anti-corruption laws, which you can see at anticorruptionact.org, and uh, changing how we, we run and how we vote and how politicians govern. And that is the key to it. It's one city and one county and one state at a time. That's, that's really a, quite a powerful message and, uh, and one that we have to keep, you know, keep striving for. Uh, Devlin, you sound you sound a little you sound kind of like almost defeated. <laughs> no, not at all, buddy. I need a nap. <laughs> no, actually, I'm I'm quite excited. Uh, I'm really excited to have you on this program. Um, to be quite honest oh, with you, this is not the usual skew of uh, a friend or foe. Usually, it's it's kind of a a zany poppy kind of show. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but you know, but the thing is, is I kind of jest, but the reality is even if you're just tired and not down, the reality is most of your listeners, when it comes to politics, they are down and, and with good reason, right? It feels pretty dystopian right now. You know, I, to be clear, full disclosure, I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. I'm totally fed up with both parties. I'm an independent. 
And I'm just blown away by what's happening. I mean, what's happening right now with Donald Trump and his complete abdication of anything uh, public interest minded, the way he's basically just putting the interests of bankers and billionaires uh, ahead of, 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 of regular middle class people is really depressing. And most people feel like it's hopeless, that there is nothing you can do. But the reality is, is you can. And in our nation's history, as I mentioned, you know, people have taken matters into their own hands many times. The most recent ones, I think, that's most relevant to your audience that people are really recognized, that's gay marriage and marijuana decriminalization or legalization. And I always say most of your listeners probably don't care. They're, they're cool with that. But Except even that if you, I do because I happen to be proudly by. So Well, there you go. But, you uh, know, but, but regardless of your view of those issues, as a matter of political strategy, they took the fight local and they won. We actually won back in 2014 in the city of Tallahassee, Florida. That was our test case. Then we went out and, and with a coalition of groups won – in, in the state of Maine and in the in the city of Seattle, comprehensive campaign finance and ethics laws. We went out again in 2016 and won the most comprehensive anti-corruption law ever passed via ballot initiative. And most of our reforms are done via ballot initiatives where you vote yes on question two or what have you. Um, and then two months later, the South Dakota legislature, this is the fourth most corrupt state in America where it's perfectly legal to give secret unlimited gifts to politicians in the state of South Dakota. Two months after we passed the Anti-Corruption Act, which was really common sense stuff, like you can't do that. You can't give a secret unlimited gift to a politician and you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't give huge contributions to politicians and everything's disclosed. So there's no secret money in politics. Uh, there's a new ethics commission because that state is one of the very few that don't have one. And, um, and, and a couple months after passage of this great act, the legislature and the governor repealed it. They repealed the law outright. They just took it, wiped it out right off the books and said, sorry, voters, I know you want it, but we don't, which is completely appalling and part of a larger trend of state legislatures repealing laws passed by ballot initiatives, which happened a lot last year. But what's cool is the people of South Dakota working with us at represent.us went out and got a bunch of signatures and actually got a constitutional amendment where we mend the state constitution through a ballot initiative, we got the signatures, just submitted it, and we're going to the ballot in November of next year to pass a, an amendment for the Anti-Corruption Act that the legislature and the governor can't touch. They can't meddle with it. They can't repeal it. And now starts this epic battle over the next few months where the South Dakota legislature is going to try to kill us in the cradle and never let this thing get to the ballot. And it's like one of the biggest stories that's not being told about this 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 fight for the heart of our democracy in South Dakota. Well, it is being told uh, because thankfully you are on the show and I will promote the hell out of it because that's what I do. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, speaking of, uh, of, of things that keep uh, getting taken out of our hands, let's talk about net neutrality. <clears throat> boy, oh boy. Yeah. Ooh, is the right, uh, <laughs> Do, do you want do you want me to give the sort of what net neutrality 101? Yes, please. Okay, so here's the thing. This is a cool issue. It's depressing because we just took a had a big setback. But but here's the thing. Net neutrality is a boring word or two words that describe how the internet works. And the internet, of course, started in the 60s or 70s, depending who you talk to, 
Um, and f ever since the very beginning of time, net neutrality is the principle that guides the internet. And all it means is that everything that's similar, there are, so all emails move across the internet at the same speed, right? And that means that the, the company that delivers that internet into your business or to your house, whether it's Time Warner or Comcast or Verizon, they can't indiscriminately slow it down. They can't throttle it. For example, if Comcast delivers your internet, they can't say, okay, you know what? We're going to slow down Netflix videos and we're going to have Comcast videos go faster. That's illegal because you're breaking net neutrality. It creates an unfair competitive advantage. Uh, and so everything that's the same, uh, voice over internet or emails or websites, they all move at the same speed. It's always been that way, always. until And then in 2015, uh, Barack Obama took an extra step, and I won't get into the details, but, but codified net neutrality officially as an ironclad law that can't be messed with. Up until then, it was in a little bit of a wishy-washy regulatory state. So right now, there's the, what happened is the, the, the Donald Trump Federal Communications Commission, run by a formal lo former lobbyist for Verizon, Ajit Pai. Uh, Ajit Pai, wiped out net neutrality and said, nope, no more, it's not happening. Three to two Republican vote in the FCC and, and net neutrality is no longer. And now these companies have the full right to be able to turn the Internet into cable TV where they create packages. They decide what's on, how much it costs. They decide they choose winners and losers. It makes it so that upstart or, uh, companies that want to try to compete on video or voice, they can't do it because the big guys are going to have the advantage because they can pay for premium speeds and service. This is super depressing because it's the fundamental – <laughs> it's the end. It's the end of the Internet as we know it. And so before I tell you what's next and why you shouldn't get too bummed out, because there's actually some hope, I will tell you that I used to run this, as you mentioned at the outset of the show, an organization called Free Press, which was at the time, 10 years ago, the leading organization or certainly one of them on this issue of net neutrality. It was a moment when this issue was being debated hot, it was like 10 years ago, it was a big deal. And I saw a day when 76 Democratic U.S. House members wrote a letter, signed a letter to the then head of the Federal Communications Commission telling them to loosen and weaken net neutrality laws. And that was because they were getting all this money from the cable and phone companies, which is they're the, one of the largest spenders in D.C. And that was the moment when I said, I've got to get into this money in politics space and to, to, to democracy because this is ridiculous. All the Republicans were against net neutrality. This huge number of Democratic congressmen were now against it. And it was all because of the undue influence of these deep-pocketed cable and telephone lobbyists in Washington, D.C., who have their way. In the same way that something between five and 6,000 uh, corporate lobbyists had their way with the tax bill that just passed. So net neutrality is on the ropes, but there is cause for hope. There's a chance that a court case will reverse this bad decision because uh, the, the rule at the Federal Communications was poorly written. And it is also possible that Congress 
could actually reverse it because there is a small group of Republican politicians in Washington who actually uh, understand the danger of this and are um, uh, on the side of good on this. So it's 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 not over yet. And this is going to be in court and it's going to take a while. It's also going to take a while before these companies start to really mess with your Internet. It's been cool to see young people paying attention to this uh, and, and, a, and a huge, huge uprising happened over the past uh, six months that where they saw more more people writing to Congress about net neutrality than the tax bill. So there's hope. Devlin, don't be down about net neutrality, but it is yet another example of how demo- a broken democracy ends up with broken results in policy. But as you mentioned, uh, there is there is a lot of hope. Um, you, uh, as as represent US and many other organizations, are um, all already preparing their swords and shields um, to uh, to sue the crap out of the FCC. Mm-hmm. And um, also, as I was reading, um, although technically, currently the net neutrality rules are still in effect. Um, it's the restoring internet freedom order going into effect that uh, that we are fearing. Yes. Yeah, and, w- and what's so frustrating is that when you when you hear uh, the, the the bad guys talk about it, they talk about net neutrality as this unfair government regulation. That's how they always talk about it. So, mm. I mean, it's kind of stunning the way our elected leaders and politicians they just lie constantly. And of course, it, it's always kind of a faux pas to call it a lie, right? It's starting to you're starting to see it more with Donald Trump, where major media are starting to finally say just call it what it is, which are lies. Um, but but it's the opposite. I mean, net neutrality is just a, simply a regulation that regulates the biggest companies that are delivering the internet into your house and says, you can't just mess with people's internet to create an unfair competitive advantage. That's all net neutrality is. It has nothing to do with government taking over the internet. It has to do with government, government protecting ordinary people from being ripped off. Now, if you're listening to this show and you're particularly into it and you think, God, this is a really important issue, on February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in New Orleans, we are hosting the first really big conference on the future of democracy. It's called Unrig the System. It's got uh, some of the people we mentioned are coming, like um, Jennifer Lawrence, Adam McKay, David O. Russell, uh, Jen Quigger from the Young Turks, uh, Steve Hilton from Fox News, right? So it's like this right-left thing, Richard Painter, who was the former uh, ethics uh, lawyer for for George W. Bush, um, Lawrence Lessig uh, from from Harvard, and this long list of amazing people talking about every kind of thing about democracy, but also a bunch of comedians who we haven't announced yet. Um, it's gonna it's one of the most fun cities. I think it's the most fun city in America. It's on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's unrigsummit.com. Uh, it's not expensive to to register unrigsummit.com. If you're into this stuff, join us. Uh, I'll be there, and and it's going to be an amazing time. Probably about two thousand people in in NOLA uh, for for the the big easy to to sort of take on democracy and open up the next chapter in this fight. That's really incredible. Um, yeah. I also wanted to mention to you if you were aware of uh, the. 
false comments that were coming in on the online public comment function for uh, in reaction to the FCC. Um, there's a website called badcomments.attorneygeneral.gov um, in which uh, actually a lot of my uh, friends are listed there as making comments that they didn't actually make. Have you heard yeah. about this? No, it's it, it was incredible. And um, and it, it was basically what they found were that there were literally thousands, even hundreds of thousands of fake uh, of fake comments to the Federal Communications Commission. Because remember, I mean, Devlin, you've got millions of real people who are saying, like, don't end the Internet as we know it. Right. Don't don't do this. And then on the side of the cable and phone companies, there's there's nobody. Like literally, who is going to say, oh, yeah, let's remove the law that protects me from the largest Internet companies from, you know, rapaciously price gouging and picking winners and losers on the Internet for the first time since the Internet was invented? Nobody's going to do that. Um, and so what happened were there was these bots, right? I mean, there was like a story about how in late May of this year, hundreds of thousands of public comments poured into the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, um, hundreds of thousands more in, in June. And they weren't the voice of, of pro uh, net neutrality Americans. Um, they were they were the people who were anti uh, ostensibly anti. And they turned out to be fake people. They were your friends and other people whose names were stolen and who were were basically bots where you were pretending to be real people because they're after all there is uh, there is nobody in the country who supports ending net neutrality it's absolutely unbelievable <clears throat> and, and More, <laughs> thankfully my name wasn't on there i checked but uh, uh a lot of my peers a lot of a lot of people uh i know and am close to they they were listed on there it's unbelievable um but it was more than a million happening you know yeah more than a million of the 20 record 22 million comments to the fcc um and more than a million of them were these fake ones here's the good news the new york attorney general uh is is currently investigating this uh, eric schneiderman which is really cool because there actually may be i think there may be justice served served on this one but you know this is business as usual i mean we we're just seeing we're just seeing the government it's just the republicans right now are just giving away the store i mean they literally paul ryan just said i just did this 1.4 trillion dollar tax break for billionaires and millionaires and now we need to cut medicare and social security i mean this is <laughs> this is just one thing after another where the the plutocrats who run government who buy the politicians uh they are systematically dismantling civil society in America so we really have to we really all have to bond together to continue to to write um our representatives and uh you know pop pop this acidic bubble that they've that they've put around America. Yeah, but also not just write because you know writing doesn't do as much as we'd like. I mean, that's it's a good thing to do. It's easy. It's an armchair action, but you also need to go to represent.us on the web and become part of this movement to actually to actually fix the system from the ground up because that's how we're going to actually do it. That's why the folks in Hollywood are jumping in on this with with both feet is because they get that, like, we can't keep doing what we used to do. We can't just write letters. We can't just keep working on climate change or 
the tax reform or whatever, we have to actually get to the to the root of the problem. And it can't be about, oh, it's, you know, those bad Republicans. The Democrats will save the day. Guess what? The Democrats are not going to save the day. It, you know, um, they, they're certainly on social issues uh, better than Republicans, uh, in my view. Uh, but but that's on, on a lot of these economic issues. When it really matters, when it's time for Democrats to exert the, the political capital to actually do this stuff, to actually enact campaign finance reform, to actually protect net neutrality. Remember, 76 Democrats opposed it when it comes to actually changing voting systems so that we could have systems that actually encourage third party and independent candidates to be able to run and win. They're going to sit on their hands and they're going to protect the status quo because the status quo delivered power to them. They're sitting politicians after all. And that's why we have to fix it ourselves at the city and state level. Absolutely. Wow. I'm just uh, it's it's just so unbelievable that uh, everything has been (laughs) unthreaded in such a way. Um, I'm really uplifted and uh, it's it's quite exciting that uh, your that represent IUS and um, and the free press are continuing to help make waves. Yeah, but I think but and Devlin, I think there's no coincidence that you asked me about net neutrality. Because of course the reality, the reality <laughs> it's maddening, is, but but it's maddening. But it's this, it's the other side of the same coin. And I don't. You might have not even realized that in terms of like in thinking of it this way. But the structural issues that that support American democracy or don't are media and the American people's ability to learn about the world and make informed decisions as part of a of a functional society and a democracy where the elected officials actually um actually support you know the the public interest it's an informed public and politicians who actually represent us these are the two great structural issues of our time and these are the two issues that have been historically uh, ignored and have gotten us into this place that we're in today uh, Josh, I'd like to um, find out a little bit about about you personally. I know um, your mother was an essayist, a poet, creative writing teacher, and your father was a clinical psychologist. How did you find your way into what you're doing now? How did it uh, generate in your mind? Well, you know, it's it's interesting, Devlin. My story is pretty stunning in that um, – it really started back in in 1995. I was 26 years old, and I was uh, I built a raft on the Amazon River in, in Peru, and I was with one of my best friends. It was a 15 foot by 15 foot raft, and we decided to, we put about three months worth of food on it, and we decided to float this river and try to make it deep into the Amazon on this epic adventure. And four days into our trip, um, we were we were ambushed and by locals and my friend was shot and killed and I was shot and left for dead. And I know it sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but if you Google Josh silver in Peru, you'll see some really excellent articles about it. And, uh, and I came back feeling like, you know, obviously I made it. it took me a week to get out of there, but I came back and I was like, what is life about? Like life is certainly short. 
And, and I want to do something. I'm not going to be here on the planet long. So I want to do something that has meaning. And, and that decision was what led me to these issues, these issues of, of, of media and of democracy and realizing that if you really want to have impact, if you really want to make the world a better place for the have nots, for the afflicted, for those who are, who are, you know, as they say, to uh, comfort the afflicted and, and afflict the comfortable, well, then you have to take on these these weedy, difficult issues like democracy, and that's been the driving force in, in my. So that's that's the you know that's the long story, but you know I think we all have our story in terms of we most of us as we get older we we find moments where we confront death, we lose somebody we love, and you realize that that life is precious, time is short. And that is really what drives this strategy, even though it's a long-term strategy to fix our democracy. At the end of the day, it is the strategy that will actually reveal the kind of results that are needed in order to have a country that we're, we're proud of again. I mean, we all, everyone listening to your show wants to be proud of this American experiment, which in so many ways is still a beautiful country, uh, but is in decline. Man, what what an incredible origin story that uh, that brought you to where you are. I'm fighting against big tobacco, as um, my my mother is a is a cancer survivor. She she had throat cancer a number of years ago, and it uh, returned several months ago. And uh, it's quite terrifying at how large a hold you know. Big Tobacco and other companies of that capacity have over us. My mom is such a fighter and uh, and so strong, and it's unbelievable that uh, these corporations have such power. Yeah, and we're looking at you know so this again your comments about healthcare, right? This circles right back to the tax cut that just happened, the tax cut for the rich, right? Which right. we now, it's going to cost $1.4, $1.5 trillion. You lowered the corporate tax rate to 21% from 35%. Remember, the 35% tax rate for corporations, which existed until uh, until now, so many loopholes, so many carve-outs, so many ways that companies go offshore and, and avoid it. Um, and of course, they also they also um, got rid of this this individual mandate. Now, I would argue that you know it, this is a classic uh, shine, it kind of shines a light on what's really wrong with the system. Very often, Democrats and progressives feel the need to defend Obamacare, right? But the Obamacare was actually not a particularly good policy. It was a concession. Uh, to the pharmaceutical and insurance industries. It was it was custom built to not offend them too much because it was a boon to them. It was mandatory private insurance. It was not the it was not the uh, universal health care that that the president uh, or candidate Barack Obama promised on the on the um, on the campaign trail. Um, and so what we're seeing is that you know the Democrats are being forced to defend a, a highly imperfect health care bill. That really isn't um, isn't isn't great. But it what we saw with the t- passage of the tax bill is they get rid of the requirement that you have insurance. And now the Congressional Budget Office is estimating that four million people will lose health insurance by 2019 and 13 million Americans are going to lose health insurance by 2027 um, and that premiums will rise by at least 10 percent. 
So what happened with this is like you see the Republicans are going to force 13 million. I mean, think about it. That's just a number, right? 13 million human beings, 13 million human beings, 4 million in just the next year alone. These are people with lives and with health problems like your mom. And 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 at the same time, yeah, the, you know, the billionaires get richer, the, the the middle class and working families get poorer, and we get to the place where the United States looks more and more like a banana republic. It looks more and more like the many empires that has preceded it, where the inequality of wealth has gotten so extreme that it eventually forces revolution and the end and the end of that empire. And so. You know, it's a quick fix for the GOP and their donors, their special interests, cronies, and it's a long term prescription for ending the democratic experiment as we know it. I'm so very glad to have uh, spoken with you, Josh, and um, um, I encourage all of my listeners to please go to represent.us and join the other powerful voices that are speaking against corruption and corporate greed. Josh, besides represent.us, where can people find you and your organizations online? Uh, Go to unrigsummit.com. Join Jennifer Lawrence and Adam McKay and David, uh, David O. Russell and others um, at the, at the New Orleans for February two, three, and four of next year for the biggest democracy conference ever and uh and you can go to anticorruptionact.org if you're a, if you're a wonk and you want to look at the kind of policies we're actually changing in cities and states across America and get involved become part of the solution start a volunteer chapter for represent us in your own community and uh and 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 be part of the solution join us thank you so much Josh Silver for uh for joining us on friend or foe please definitely check out represent.us and unrig summit Com. Josh, thank you so much. Before signing off, I'd very much like to thank my new show producer, Emily Sex, my new editing partners at Ginger Cat Productions, Jessica Kupferman at True Native Media, who will be our sponsorship partner in upcoming episodes, my incredible engineer here at the Nerdist Studios, Aristotle, and as always, the team at Jabberjaw Media. You can follow this show across social at Friend or Foe Pod, that's F-A-U-X, and me, your host, Devlin Wilder, across all the places at my name, D-E-V-L-I-N-W-I-L-D-E-R. All right, that's it for this episode. See you on the next one. Thanks. Guys, this has been Friend or Foe. No No one one knows. knows. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.